How good is it, fellas? How good's this? Here we are once again for um, who knows what the episode is, but we're back with the How Goods This, fellas. I'm Alan Stone. This is a uh, my good buddy Julian Gavilanis, and uh, we're thrilled to be back, man. Thrilled. We're we're currently in recovery mode still. Uh, we had a loose weekend, but, uh, the sunny, the, the egg has landed sunny side up and I do, I can smell the yolk. I still feel scrambled a little bit. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, look, I'm, I, you know, I'm going to be sunny side up eventually. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to flip it in reverse. A scrambled egg is still good, man. You put a little cheese on that. It's good. It's, it's nice. Funny put a little hot sauce. Sometimes, you know, it used to be that when you'd have a weekend, Full of hanging out with your friends and staying up late and eating bad food and drinking alcohol and laughing loud. Yeah. Next morning, wake up, 7.30, have an Eggs Benedict, uh, an orange juice. No coffee even at that point. Yeah, you don't need I wasn't coffee. drinking coffee no. until I was 32. <laughs> and, really? Uh, no, it was like probably. It was after I, was I met my wife. I was drinking Red Bull and milk when I <laughs> met my wife. Yeah. <laughs> At the same time, like, yeah, would get milk at the gas station and, and get, Red Bull. and not even sugar-free Red Bull. 20 ounce. Like a 20 ounce, <laughs> yeah. huge Red Bull. Yeah. Drink them at the same time and then be like, I don't know yeah. why my stomach is bubbly. I can't, yeah. I don't get it. Uh-huh. Um, but needless to say, we, we got it in last weekend. We're still in recovery mode a little bit, but... Uh, we're stoked to be here, and we're stoked to talk about all the wonderful things that happen in the globe, and you know some of the less fortunate. Well, some of the things. Well, yes, I think our our weekend, if we can break it down a little bit, was the best. You got to go and perform, and we meant to take this podcast on the road with us. We did. Yeah, well, we, we did take the podcast on the road with us. We brought all the gear. We uh, <laughs> we checked like six extra bags. Paid more money. Paid just nonsense money. Non like. It was, I mean, I only paid 30 bucks. How much did you really? pay? Well, yeah. I paid 150 at the end of the day because I Each checked. Each way? Book. No, seven, 75, 75. Yeah, yikes. But we were bringing it with all intention to do the, do a podcast on the road. Live from and, Las Vegas. Yeah, live from Las Vegas. And ladies and gentlemen, it did not happen. <laughs> yeah. We, <laughs> we, we, didn't, we didn't do a the, single thing. The day that we woke up and, were, and could have done it, Alan and I looked at each other waking up from bed. We were cuddling. And we looked at each other and just said, dude, we're not going to get sorry. anything done today. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I can't do anything that requires plugging in a cable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But we had a blast, man. And I'm trying to remember that. I'm trying to remember that as I'm in this recovery space. Um, yeah. It's always what happens is that when you uh, land on the other side of, I mean, especially if substance is involved, yeah. like I think it's different if you go on a sick hike. You, right, and you get to the top of the hike, and you're like, "That was so much fun!" Like, I don't yeah. think you get down the hill after the hike, and you're like, womp, 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 womp. Right, right. But definitely, when you're not sleeping, when you're having some alcoholic beverages, mm-hmm. uh, and well, the like the come down from that yeah. naturally, I think, as your your receptors are attempting to balance themselves out, yeah, the shadow cast is typically like. I'm worthless. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's hard because in, I, I imagine that's to be expected in Las Vegas. You know, you, you don't come back like expecting to feel like I drank my juices. I got my cleanse on. I'm ready to roll and move into the week. Strong, sturdy. I mean, if you were super good at math 
and you went, went to Vegas and you just counted, counted cards. cards and didn't drink one drop. As we were there, I was because we we got on the blackjack table a little bit. Mm. You can't count cards anymore, right? <laughs> like they so ridiculous at the blackjack table. Oh yeah. <laughs> Had you never played it, were you just being stupid? No, I I have rarely <laughs> I rarely so gamble. Funny. It was so funny. Oh, to this, watch our Alan. poor lady too. Yeah. Our, our, <laughs> What do you call her? The gambling lady? The ga- uh, dealer? The dealer. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> her name was Hannah. Yeah, she nice was, memory. She was great, but she had she wore a mask. Yeah, she could, could, and so I smiling. couldn't tell yeah. whether she loathed me. Yeah. Or whether I was charming. I bet she loves that that she can wear a mask. Yeah. Right. That, she, that nobody yeah, can tell. Like this is yeah. the best. Talk about the ultimate poker face. Oh yeah, totally. It's just COVID. Totally. Yeah. For serious. Can you do that at that. the poker table? Can you wear a mask? I think you have to, don't you? Don't you have to wear like masks? professional poker matches well, nowadays? I mean, totally discretionary. If you want to wear a mask, yeah, for sure. I bet you I don't think they're you don't think they're making you prove vaccination to throw down a million dollars in Vegas. And what? And and you have to not wear a mask. Like that's the rule when you're gambling high stakes. Well, yeah, because you're reading other people's faces while you're gambling. You're thinking, okay, is this guy bluffing? Is this guy right. not bluffing? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely so. Part if you of got the game. sunglasses and a mask on, nothing. <sighs> Unpenetrable. No I know that's crazy. Um, yeah, <clears throat> Vegas. Vegas wants you to participate in its rituals, right? Like the lights, the like the like the oxygen that's pumping through the hotel rooms or the like the hotel lobbies and the casino floor, and it just like it's there to embrace you and to be like do all of the things that you. Well, feel no. compelled to do right well and also just stay here as long as yeah, possible yeah like don't leave the hotels you go to like these super nice hotels which are great the the rooms are cheap it's a lot of fun but uh um you don't need to leave they yeah. got all the food you'll ever need there they got yeah. pools there the rooms are great yeah. they've got hudson newses in case you need some jelly bellies <laughs> yeah and uh it's it's kick-ass and we were with our our best friends that we don't get to see as often as we would like and so you know a great time had to get after it and you and what and, was your favorite uh meal that we had there um you reckon we went to this place called best friends yeah and i don't even know what kind of what is it was it like an asian fusion yeah i think so we uh, were we were ripping it, was a, it was a good time. The food and was amazing. We it, got the omakase, which was just like... How do you like, remember that? I, I mean, yes. I, I, don't, I keep it real, son. I keep yeah, it haunted. I, I keep it 12. No, I don't, I don't remember much of it. But uh, <laughs> we all essentially got a tasting menu. It was like 60 bucks, and we just they just brought us a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Um, I... Yeah, all of our dining experiences, thanks to the, the ladies that we were with who actually made appointments for us to go places... Yeah, that was awesome. Uh, Shout out. We also went to Momofuku, which was killer. I might have told you in the morning, but you must have forgot. But, like, I was fine after Momofuku. I was... After dinner? After dinner, yeah, it was great. Went back to the room at 10. I packed up all my stuff. Uh. Lay down in bed. Woke up at 1 a.m. and was just like, ooh. Oh, yeah. And I yonked it all up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We went to the milk and got cookies. Uh, I I was feeling so tight and wooey. Woof, bruh. Yeah, it was sent it. How good is a great like a, when you need to puke? Yeah, oh a yeah, good puke is so sturdy. I know. I was jealous the next morning. I was like, I just, I want to try, and I couldn't. Which I is just funny. To get my demons out. Right, right. It is funny though that you tell me you can't do it when you try because you're like the ultimate gagger. You're a gag oh, yeah. artist. Like you, br- you gag when you brush your teeth. Yeah, every time. 
But I don't puke. Like getting something up is different. <laughs> you just hear me upstairs. <laughs> I do. That. I hear. I'm like, oh no, Julian's <laughs> just brushing his teeth. And you know, normally when you hear somebody in the bathroom going, <laughs> you're like, oh no, what happened? Was it me? And then you remember that your best friend just like, for some reason, jams his toothbrush down his. Like, do you stuff it deep? No, I just don't you do you ever gag when you brush your teeth? Don't people like when you brush your tongue. It's not when you brush your teeth. Literally have never gagged. Really? I just like No yeah, no I, no. Never gagged. What? You were I'm gagging lying. when you were gonking at the Vegas strip club. That's dude. not a gag. That's a I don't I just gagging is like pointless to me. I'm like yeah. if you're gonna if you need to puke, puke. But if you're just gonna soft gag, don't soft gag at me. It, look. It was not soft gagging for me, dude. I was hardcore <laughs> pushing through, and I was just nothing was coming. So yeah, it's it um, was uh, it was tough. And then I just went back to bed. Fortunately, they gave me a late checkout. Stayed in that bedroom for a long time. But then I was stuck in Vegas for the last day until uh, like seven thirty p.m. with none of my friends. <laughs> I was like, well, I don't know what to do. I don't like. I'm and I'm and all I had to do was like sit. I didn't want to go anywhere. Well, and the only place you a, can go. You also had a whole like. Gang of bags. Yeah, that's rough to. You're not gonna go to the airport. You know what, bro? Recently though, and this is like, people are gonna listen to this and be like, "Oh yeah, you can. Okay, cool." But like, I've figured out the airport. Did you? Well, you go a lot, so I have figured out the airport. Now, it's expensive. It's not. It's expensive if you don't travel a lot. Uh, but most airports now have this thing called Clear. Hundred dollar subscription a month, or sorry, a year. Don't have to wait in a line again. Yeah, you go straight through security. Like you still got to take your shoes off and all that BS, mm-hmm. but like you don't have to wait in the line. Right. Uh, and then also my in laws and Taz's family bought me an Admiral Clubs pass. What's that? Oh, bro, it's like the American Airlines lounge. It's not connected to the airport, but like you go in and. They've got free food in there, free drink. Wow. It's like now if you're traveling a lot, now here let me hear hear me out on this. Okay. If you're traveling a lot and you're not the kind of guy who's like prepared, like your boy over here. Yeah. You get to the airport and you're like, oh dude, I'm gonna need a water. Didn't bring a water bottle. Mm. Gonna need a coffee. Didn't bring a coffee bottle. Gonna need a sandwich. Bro, you're talking thirty bucks easy. Way more. Fifty? Definitely. Okay, and then you're like, oh, man, I really am interested in this magazine here. Maybe some peanuts. Let's say it just, like, adds up to, like, 50 bucks. Are you reading Men's Health or what? Occasionally. 17. No, I haven't read a magazine in years. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's all ads. It's not even... There's one article in there. Yeah. And it's just all, like, Lincoln Navigator ads. I'm getting a maxim for sure. Uh so you, if you travel more than ten times a year, you add that up. It's, yeah. it's it gets pricey, right? Totally. Admirals Club. So that's. I mean, you didn't really figure it out. You just got. I didn't figure it out. Right. Exactly. A way to have a good time when you go. I know my father-in-law who travels did used he travels quite a bit still, but used to travel like a ton. Mm-hmm. I think he had the angle. He's like, oh, there's this place you can go, Al. Yeah. Called a lounge. There's electrical outlets in every seat. There's like, 
There's a toilet that doesn't have like urine all over it. There's free stuff there. Peanuts. All the peanuts you could have. You could get a banana. You could get an (laughs) apple. You said sandwich. Oh, you can get a sandwich. You can get a proper sandy. Is it dry bread? No, no, no. It's it's, free sandwich is always dry. It's good stuff. Now, listen, it's not like if there's a Shake Shack in the airport. I'm going to Shake Shack and then taking it into the Admiral's Club. I see. To eat it. Yep. Sequestered from the rest of the peons right. that aren't in the Admiral's Club. <laughs> yeah. Um, but. Uh, Peasants. But the food in, I mean, like, you get a, you get a Coors Light, bro, nice. for free. That's Normally 12 bucks out in the old. Could you get 10 of them if you want? Rego. That's a Are good question. Off? Well, my point that I would make, if I were in your position and you were at. In Las Vegas with nine hours to spare and 20 bags, I would have been like, I'm out of here. I'm going. Yeah. Only bugger is, though, they don't let you check in until like like four hours prior to your flight or like two. And the Admiral's Club's inside security. So, mm. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. You would have to sit I mean, outside and just, yeah. Well, maybe Muzz can give me a Admiral's Club membership, he's, too. He's 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 not going to do that. I know, but I want one. Um, well, that was a good catch-up, man. I'm glad that we're back and we're uh, wrecking the airwaves with our How Goods Is friends. I think it's probably about time to start the show. Boom. How Goods This. How Good This. How this. How good's this? <laughs> A former addict shares message of hope after college graduation. Stop selling yourself short. Unless, for some odd reason, that's how you make a living, is like being short. Yeah. Like, like Peter Dinks? If Peter Dinks kind of sells himself short. He has to. Because that's part of his charm. Like to- Totally. He's a short person. Yeah. So it doesn't apply in every situation. But uh, Virginia Ginny Burton was six years old when she was introduced to marijuana by her drug-addicted mother. <laughs> that is Isn't fucking that nuts. Six years old? Dude, I couldn't even say poop or pee when I was <laughs> six years old. Like, my folks were like, you say stinky. <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow. Couldn't say poop. Yeah, man. It's just like, I mean. Couldn't say poop. It's just crazy the different realities living all in the same atmosphere. Yeah. What is six, what is six years old? Like ki- for kindergarten? First, first grade. First grade. First grade, I think. So Ginny uh, was addicted, excuse me, introduced to marijuana by her drug addicted mother at the age of six. At the age of 12, she was using crystal meth. Now look, this sounds like it's going in a bad direction, but how good's this? Because this is well, I mean, listen, an actually listen, positive and beautiful It went story. in a bad direction. Totally. Okay, so at age 12, she's using crystal meth. By 14, Burton, a student in an accelerated learning program, had dropped out of school and was smoking crack. I went from being a really sweet kid to an angry and aggressive one. Burton, 48, told Today Health, I didn't want to be in classroom, just wanted to get high. Burton found herself bouncing from one juvenile detention facility to the next. By 2012, Burton, a mom of three, was homeless, addicted to heroin, and had served multiple prison sentences. Her children were taken away. My kids would grab my ankles when I went into the kitchen because that's where I smoked crack. Burton revealed, Jeez. my life was a nightmare. Jeez. 
But not anymore, folks. Not anymore. How good is this? Okay, in May, Burton, who is more than eight years clean after getting sober while incarcerated, graduated from the University of Washington with a, gr- with a degree in political science. Wow, look at that change, man. That's so bonkers, dude. God. That she's is, pretty. She's, she's like a beautiful She's lady. beautiful. God. What amazing. a cool thing, man. Way to go. That's so Way to awesome, go, Jeannie. Man. God. Jenny Burton. Okay. University. Of, so she's from the, the state Washington, of Washington. Well, she went and graduated from there, which is great. That's um, so awesome. That's so awesome, man. You you didn't really get into any trouble with regards to drugs or anything like that. I mean, you never really got into any trouble with it, but you never got introduced to it till your 20s, yeah, right? I didn't even get... It's funny. Like, I was... I grew up in such a small town. Everybody knew that, like... I think everybody knew that I would most likely either judge them yeah. for it or they just knew that I was going to say no because my dad was the like town minister. Everybody knew. Uh-huh. I never even saw marijuana until I was like 23 years old. That's probably when you did it for the first time. I think the first time I did I remember the first time I ever smoked was with you guys in our yeah. apartment. Yeah. Brent rolled up a nice fatty blunt <laughs> yeah. and we... Smoked together. I laughed. Uncontrollably. Un- my ribs went from the front of my body to the back of my body yeah. from laughing. And it was so enjoyable. Right. And I was like. I remember we were like turning the lights on and off for you. And like, of course, our friend Brent, who's been on the podcast before, like is a storyteller extraordinaire, like fairy tales and folklore. And he yeah. was like doing a whole play for you you're like oh my god it was really great he had a, i think i'm pretty sure i remember him having a flashlight in front of yeah, his face yeah. and he, we turned the lights <laughs> off and i was just laughing probably nothing he said was actually funny if i was sober totally i like, would have just been yeah. like dude please just throw on some arrested development i'm done with this but uh, i laughed super hard and that was my first introduction and I, like i said i don't think i had seen it up to that point mm-hmm. wasn't ever offered it in high school a bunch of my friends. It was around though. You it just was for sure it. around in people's pockets while I was hanging out with them. Yeah, they just knew, you know, like the code of conduct was don't don't offer Stone any because he's either going to be just a Debbie Downer about it or he's going to say no. Just because of your, the, was it because you would have been a Debbie Downer, but, or because they were like conscious of your faith in Christianity? I think they all like, knew that I would. Maybe not judge them harshly, but like at least look down my nose a little bit at them, and they didn't want that, yeah. right? Like, you kind of know when you are in a social circle who is going to, like, who's going to be a football fan and who's not. Sometimes right. you're wrong and people surprise you, but like, you know when you're most likely going to start talking about Tom Brady stats, and somebody's going to be like, "Oh yeah, I can oh, jump yeah, into that." Yeah, I think it's the same with everything. Yeah. Um. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, so lucky at the age of six, Ginny Burton got introduced to marijuana. That's just, (sighs) that's crazy. I was introduced to alcohol, cigarettes and weed when I was probably like nine, but not by doing it, just by seeing it. Seeing like understanding peers doing it. No, but like my, my oldest brother was like five years older than me. And so he was getting in trouble. I remember he was, uh, like my parents scolding him at some point when I was really young, like mm-hmm. in the office mm. and they were, and like his eyes were like totally bloodshot. And I was like, whoa, man, what is he doing? But I always wanted to do what participate in whatever they were participating in. Um, so when I was like 10, I, I drank for the first time 
And I remember I had a couple shots at a bar in, in Ecuador oh, with my family because the, the drinking age is pretty non-existent. Like you just can do whatever. It's 18, but you can in Ecuador. obviously I, I was, yeah, I yeah. was 10. <laughs> I don't know how I got in, but I did. And uh, yeah, I took a couple shots and I remember like letting them hit me and then going out to the dance floor and dancing with these like Ecuadorian girls and looking up at my brother on the, on the like balcony and just saying, Gabe, I feel like I'm in a dream. (laughs) And I remember that feeling. It was like very euphoric and just like, wow, this is crazy, man. And then like that same trip, I was like smoking cigarettes. That was like the first trip that my cousins allowed me to participate. I was the youngest. So it was like Julian can hang out. And if Mm. I was hanging out, I was like, I'm going to do everything you guys are doing. Right. And they all smoked cigarettes. So I was smoking cigarettes and stuff. And then how much older were your cousins than you? Around Gabe's age, like five years older than me. Oh, so, so they were like 15. Mm-hmm. And some of them were much older. So like some of them were like 18, 20, 21. Yeah. And I was like 10. And then most of them were like, it, we have a huge family out there. So, you know, all the cousins were, were hanging. But yeah, I mean, they were probably like around the age of 17, 18. Gabe was 15 and a bunch of the other ones were 15 and I was 10. It kind of blows my mind uh, looking back on how much I thought I knew when I was 16. I remember when I got my license yeah. and I was like, what's made it nothing after this. Nothing like yeah. I'm a, I'm an independent person. Like yeah. I could get in this car and legally drive until I couldn't drive anymore. Yeah. Like I could go to Nevada. Yeah. How little I knew at that stage of my life, but yet how much I thought I knew mm-hmm. right now I've never felt dumber. Yeah. And I look at like 26 year olds. We're going cruising through Vegas, like a bunch of young Young kids, 24, 25, 26. I'm like, and they look 14. Yeah. It's crazy. And some of them look 38 and like, oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) I I wasn't noticing those people, but obviously you can't go in and ask people their names, but if you're, I'm assuming that if you're in Vegas, you're most likely not 14 right. running right. around at like totally. electric daisy carnival yeah. with a thong on. Right. Um, it kind of goes to show you how much of a director, producer, screenwriter of our own story we are. Mm-hmm. Right. And we can't see outside of the scope of, right. you know, your parents, our own point your of parents view. would tell you growing up, Hey, look out for these things. Look mm-hmm. out. And you're just like, shut up, dude. Yeah. You guys are just idiots. You don't know nothing. Now, like the older you get, you're like, God, I'm so, yeah. Why didn't I just listen? But it's almost like, what do you think the evolutionary purpose of that is? Because there's got to be some reason why we still haven't figured out as a species that we should listen to our elders. I mean, we do. It just becomes cliche, right? Like you realize that later on in life, it's like if you if you really want to do something, then you can do it. Like what your parents tell you when you're younger. Like that's true. You have really done something that you want to do, you know. Right, like, but it's not a hundred percent true. Right, there are certainly things that we disregard, like don't do drugs. <laughs> you know, like you go through life and you eventually do those things. You experiment with those things, but I don't know. I mean, ultimately, I think 
you, they're just cliche terms that you, that your elders tell you, you know, they're, and that's, it's just subject to what they know from their right, experience. Right. But I guess my, my point is, is that like, we're naturally as human beings, we've developed a fear of rats. Hmm. Like when, if a rat walked through this room, yeah. both you and I would jump up on this chair and be like, oh my God. Yeah. The reason why is because rats have carried disease throughout the history of mankind. And so it's been passed down through cell memory. We haven't had one happen f like Black Plague, what I think was the last one that was transmitted by rats. That was mm -hmm. a long time ago. Right. But we still have this fear of rats, of snakes, of spiders. And that's been passed down through like cell memory somehow, right? Mm -hmm. So like, is it because we traditionally had have kids early? And so we don't come to realize that like, oh, my parents were right until we're 40 and we're not having kids at 40. And so therefore we can't pass that cell memory down to the children for the children to be like, oh, you know, I think I'm going to listen to grandpa yeah. when he says, save your money. Yeah. I think yeah. I'm going to listen to mom when she says, eat your vegetables. Right. Like it seemed, it's so, it's so funny to me how there's things that like would benefit human beings. Right. That for some reason we haven't like, we, we just haven't connected to, but then there's other things that just have naturally found their way into our fear patterns and our behavior patterns. Right. Like, like I assume for most people that have kids, they don't start really understanding what their parents really did for them right. until they've had kids. And then they're like, oh my God, I am so sorry <laughs> for being who I was and, when I was a but kid. But that one makes sense to me because you don't fully comprehend what your parents have done for you until you have kids. Yeah. So therefore you don't, like the, the knowledge isn't ingrained in you to pass down to your offspring. Right. And it, unless it's like third or fourth kid. Mm -hmm. Right. So maybe like the, the third or fourth kid have a better appreciation for their mm, parents. That's interesting. Because I was an asshole and yeah. my brother and sister were angels. I mean, I was the third and I was not great. <laughs> yeah, but also like respectful and kind. Learning definitely from the mistakes. Participating in them for myself. But uh, always with this kind of like I'm watching what other people are doing ahead of me and seeing what is effective and what is ineffective. Like, for example, anger. Mm. It was never something, like I saw anger happen from a young age and in, in, in the efforts to be an effective person, to like motivate people through anger and fear, right? And I remember as a young kid thinking, that doesn't work for me. If I wanna get people to do things for me, I'm going to, generate kindness mm, as the approach different. to doing that yeah um That's smart so i learned that um but but yeah it's it's an interesting it's an interesting question it's an interesting thought for sure um i don't know i'm uh i'm, I'm fascinated by it but i you know i don't know i think we i made so many i made so many mistakes at the same time in regards to paying attention to what people were doing in ahead of me. Most of these people are like my brothers, right? And my right. family and, and then my peers and other people ahead of me and looking at all those decisions they made and then wanting to like learn that for myself. And I think that's ultimately like life experience is what people have to go through in order to generate a sense of understanding for themselves. And until you have gotten through life and done these certain things you're not connected to us like even when you're in your mid-20s 
I've, I've dated girls that are significantly younger than me, like, you know, in their mid twenties while I've been in my thirties. And I have these conversations with them that wind up seeming patronizing because I am trying to tell them something about what I have learned because I have gotten to this place in my life through my life experience. It's patronizing to them because they haven't connected to that thing quite yet for themselves. Right. And so they're just like, they don't understand it. They're going to eventually, like we do with our parents. Like, you know, I'm so sorry. And I didn't know until I finally got there. Um, but I, but it sucks because I haven't been able to navigate that in those, you know, relationships and other things. It's just like, I don't want to seem like I know it all because I don't know anything. I'm just saying like, I'm connected to this part of my life now. And I know that 10 years from now, I'm going to think I'm an idiot now. But I also know that I was an idiot then. And I see that you're in that same space right now. Yeah. It's, I, I'm curious though, if it's, if it's also uh, proximity, like I'm so much more able to take advice from my parents now that I've moved out of their house and I'm so much more likely. It's funny. Like it'll ha- it, it happens all the time and it's, it's kind of shameful at this point. Like Taz will tell me something and it's not like I don't like I hear it and I hear her say it, but there's like, I don't know if it's like my need to like control my life. And when you partner up with somebody or when you're living this close to somebody, you just kind of, you're naturally sort of disdaining their advice or something. But I definitely did when I was living with my parents, like any advice they would give me, I'd be like, oh, you know, like balance your checkbook out, figure it out, you know, right. like save your money. I'm like, come on, give me a break. Right. Yeah. Taz will tell me something. Right. A great point. If I just listened to her and learn in that moment, I would save myself from so much headache. Mm-hmm. Somebody tells me the same thing four months later that I know in passing. Right. I hear it on a podcast. Right. And I'm like, yo, Taz, did you see this thing? She's like, I told you that eight months ago. Totally. It happens all the time. And I can't tell if it's like, it's probably a whole combination of a bunch of things. It's probably ego. Potentially it's proximity. Also like control, like I, I'm so close to this person. Like this person is in everything that I do Mm -hmm. that I have to have some sort of independence from them or something Mm -hmm. with your parents. For me, it was what I heard somebody describe it like this. And it made sense that like right now my son is all about me and his mom and we we're his world he loves everything about us right but human beings through like our biological composition would if we lived 500 years ago a thousand years ago right we'd be making kids we'd be making our families we'd be setting out way earlier than we do right like I wasn't actually free of the nest until I was like probably 24 right it's natural for kids to leave the house at 18 yeah biologically if you look simply at the biologics of things like people we could procreate at like what 12 13 so biologically When the kid starts like getting hormones and like 
figuring out like what's going puberty on with my body and, and puberty and all that. Not only are they experiencing all this weird chemical craziness and Fourth of July in their body, but they're also like starting to separate from mm -hmm. their home. They have to like figure out their independence from their family because yeah. nor, you know, biologically their body's telling us, bro, you're gonna have to set sail soon. Yeah. Right. What's your identity? What's your Who identity? You? Like you can't be about your mom. You can't tell your mom you love her when you go to school, bro. <laughs> that's like, that's your world. Yeah. And, but we keep our kids around so much longer. Like it's the fact that people are having children at 35, like first kids at like 35, 36 throughout history. That's kind of odd. Yeah. totally. Um, and, uh, I have no point with that entire rant. I yeah, was just, it's, it's, it's great. I was, I'm curious though, with what you were saying, like, <clears throat> because do you think there's effectiveness in reverse psychology for raising kids? And in like, so I've heard stories of people being like, oh yeah, my kid wanted to smoke a cigarette. So I fucking gave him a whole pack of cigarettes. Right, yeah. My kid wanted to drink alcohol, so I gave him a, a full fifth of tequila. Made him drink the whole thing. And, like, I don't know. Like, how, like that obviously sounds like a dangerous tactic. Um, I, had a, I had a close friend growing up who, who told me that his parents did that. Like, his parents had seen one of his older siblings smoking mm -hmm. and that they bought four packs of cigarettes and they made the kids smoke in front of him the entire pack. And he never touched yeah. a lick of alcohol. He never smoked. He was always, like, happy. He's a great dude still. Yeah. And then his sisters had, his other siblings had problems. Right. And it, uh, I don't think it's mutually exclusive, man. I think it's, like, it's you got to do your best as a parent to help your kids avoid pitfalls. Yeah. But like, you're not going to be able to keep them, them from everything. Yeah. Like it's, uh, I wish there was a better analogy for it. Right. Like you're, it's almost like you're a sailboat, right? And you could like be the best sailor ever. You could have the sickest catamaran of all time with this beautiful sail and you've you've you're nautical you're nautical Ned, bro. You're out nautical there Ned. just like killing it and then you don't have wind. Yeah. And you're just you're effed. Yeah. It's like there's some sort of thing that you can't control mm -hmm. when it comes to just I mean, just life period, but yeah. also like seemingly nourishing kids where it's like you got to do the best you can. And even when you do that, some shit goes wrong. Yeah. And, and ultimately you have to be, you have to be understanding and okay with that love through it. Seemingly, you know, I know I did some dumb crap. So did you, our parents still loved us through it. Mm -hmm. Um, but to me, I'm always curious about like the, you know, the evolutionary reasoning behind certain behaviors, because it seems like there should be things like we should have died from heart disease long enough for us to like see a bag of Doritos and go that's like cigarettes, not, right? like or cigarettes, like, yeah. right? Like Heroin. I would think eventually like cigarettes, you're going to get to a point where you see a cigarette and you're just like, Oh, 
Yeah. I'm not saying us, but like evolutionarily. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We get far enough out where cigarettes are still going to be around, but people are going to be so grossed out by them because they know what they do. Mm-hmm. It's starting to happen now, but I'm saying like just the even the rat thing mm-hmm. or the, the, the spider thing. Like people who are afraid of spiders that have never been bit by one, right? Like yeah. that seems to be some sort of passed down atom- atomic, like down to your atoms, like your atoms somehow are like afraid of spiders. Mm. Um, but yet a bag of Doritos, bro, tastes so good. Yeah, like yeah. I'm still all about it. I want one right now. Well, Do you I, have any? I don't have any. <laughs> and look, I think despite... Uh, any like whatever decisions that you make, I think the moral of this whole entire conversation is that like you can go through life and experience incredible experiences and have devastating experiences and be affected by drugs, alcohol, all the bullshit or, or never touch any of that stuff. But despite however it happens and wherever you go, like you can redeem yourself and like come back right. out on the other side. No matter, it's like never too late to change your narrative for yourself and to like get yourself back up and going. Absolutely. And what's really cool is I, we're going to zoom in on this picture of, uh, Virginia Burton. Um, and that's one of the greatest parts about humans is our adaptability, our, yeah. our ability to adapt to our surroundings. Um, if you look at the picture of Virginia in what was eight years prior to her graduating from the University of Washington, this is not an easy school to get into, University of Washington. Your boy applied, didn't get in. (laughs) I didn't even apply because I knew I wasn't getting in. Yeah, I I applied. I did. There was like, they, they just sent back like an emoji of somebody. Yeah, an LOL. (laughs) Um, like you are capable, not only spiritually emotionally to grow and to change and to evolve but physically too i mean look at the physicality of her change yeah, yeah. um it's it's, it's what it's a cool really story man yeah. i love stories like that we should let's move on yeah All right, let's do it okay how good's this so this is super fun um you know we're not always uh diving deep on this, every once in a while, we're just hanging on the that was surface. A deep, that was a deep one. That was a deep dive. Now we got a little little softy. This is kind of a softy. Um, an Italian design studio is making a line of small river and lake boats inspired by some of the best classic cars ever made. Look at this lineup <laughs> down here, bro. Look at these little like Corvettes and look stuff. Look at these little Ocean <laughs> Eleven motherfuckers down Damn, here. dude. I, I that, mean, that looks fun. It looks adorable it also looks corny af yeah i mean if i i would definitely be fascinated if i saw (laughs) the the chevelle (laughs) i like i i um for anybody who's listening to this so essentially they've taken all these classic cars and put them on pontoon skis um it's cool to look that's pretty rad though that's kind of cool but like the vita bus as a pontoon boat is cool I feel like that's cool, like the, the the ride the ducks at you know Lake Washington. Well, it's cool, I think, because you can actually like go in and outfit the inside of that Vida bus, and there's actually space. Like, having a car on top of a pontoon is a different story. Like you can just sit in that thing and ride, but having a Vida bus is like, you know. Like like your travel trailer, you can go in there and like customize it and make it super cool, and then it's it kind of is a boat in and of itself. <clears throat> right, but then you're. You're on the water in a V-dub boat forever. It seems like it's Are like... Are you worried about the impression you're making? No, it's just... It seems like a niche thing, right? Like... Right. I well, don't... It is. Like, it'd be... Flip it the other way, okay? Say somebody put a boat on, on wheels. Yeah. 
and you were like, you saw I saw a guy do that at one point in, in I think I've seen something like where that I was too. it was like maybe in in Seattle. Yeah. And when you see it, you're like, oh, that's cool. That's novel. That's novel, right? But then when like his buddy Andrew is like, dude, I need a ride to the airport, and he's like. God damn it. Like, all I got is the boat. Yeah. <laughs> and he's got to drive to the terminal. Yeah. It feels like the joke wears out after right. a while. Like, right. it, it's kind of like owning a limousine. Mm. All right. Like, I, there's a guy in Spokane who I see driving around this limousine all the time. Right. And I'm like, at some point, the novelty wears off. And you're like, dude, I just, now I have a limousine. Right. And, and it's I just my. It's just my ride. That's my commuter. Yep. All I want to do is just go get some eggs at the market. I got to take up two parking spots <laughs> for it. Yeah. It's like getting it's like getting a super intricate tattoo somewhere where everybody can see it. Mm. And you go to the market and like every conversation they're like, "What does your tattoo mean?" Yeah. You're like, "Dude, I, I, you know, I got it, and like it's. And not, I'm sick of talking about. And it. I'm sick of talking about it. You get a Vida bus, yeah, and you drive it to the dock, and everybody comes out, and they're like, "Oh my God, what year is it?" Mm -hmm. And at some point, you're not going to want to talk about your bu your boat. It's a good point, but you have to because well, you got a Vida bus <clears throat> with pontoon skis. So yeah, it's a little. It's cool to look at, and it's. Like I said, if I was on the beach and I saw it, I'd go, hey, look at that funny little thing that happened in there. That's cool. And honestly, like, it looks really well made. I'm it not going to lie. It looks super nice. Um, yeah, but, yeah, that, I just super – I feel like the novelty would go bye-bye real quick. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I certainly wouldn't – if I was going to get a, a, a boat of any kind, it wouldn't be that. Like, right. it, it's, a, it's a novelty item, and it's cool, and it's fun to look at. What kind sure. of boat would you get? If you could get any boat – Man. Not any boat, because neither of us have any idea what kind of boats there are. But what, yeah. you get a wakeboard boat, you go in ski well, boat, you go in cigarette that. jet lighter. <laughs> it used to be a ski boat, because I had a ski boat growing up mm. um, that that sunk, <laughs> which is what? pretty awesome. Yeah, we had a, we had a, like, a, a, like a 1992 Four Winds. We bought it brand new when I was a child. And Bro, you were so loaded growing up. Just want everybody to know Bro. how loaded G Dean was. Bro, I had so much cash. Mofo had a pockets. boat. We had a boat, baby. Okay, so you got a boat. So we had a boat when we were kids, yeah. And uh, uh, we kept it all over the. We used to go crabbing in the in the in the Pacific, all over like uh, whatever. We we it was the best, and we had such a blast on that thing. And then once we got old enough to start wakeboarding, we like put a pole on it so that we could like wake because it was never like meant to be a proper wakeboarding boat, but we put like bags in the back so that it would like wake put the put weight in the back to make the wake bigger and you know we wanted a wakeboard and be cool and board sport and stuff um and we became teenagers and post teenagers and started like taking it out we had it on this lake lake stevens and all of my friends all of my brother's friends would go out there like 10 at a time just get hammered drunk on this boat completely irresponsibly uh and like inner tube and just like pull, you know, get these humongous inner tubes and pull like seven people at a time, toss beers out and chug them on the boat. I think probably like 2007, 2008 or something like that. The place that we kept the boat was this dock at, at a friend's house, a family mm. friend's mm. in Lake Stevens. And 
they would use the boat every once in a while too. And he one morning was going out to use the boat and it would just be docked at his out in his front yard, backyard on the lake. And he calls my dad and he's just like, um, Diego, I just went out to your boat and it's sunk. <laughs> it's just fallen. It's, it's like on, it's like tied up to the, the dock and it's just tilted the whole dock over and it's just completely <laughs> collapsed. And I was the last person to be on it. And we had like 10 people on an inner tube. Mm. And I remember it being like, kunk, 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 and just like not doing well. And mm. it just, it just died a natural death, man. It just was like, oh, sure. we, we <laughs> look, man, we just wore that thing to, to, to its death, man. We gotten, we gotten, we gotten accidents on that thing, like hitting barges out in the Pacific ocean, man. We gotten, there was so many stories about that boat. Crazy that you weren't in it when it went down. Like, think oh, of the I know. odds. Oh, I know. Of yeah. how much time that boat spent with people in it and people out of it. Yeah. And I mean, it's most likely a higher chance that it would sink without you in it. I can't imagine you were in it that much. But whenever my car breaks down at home, I'm like, I'm kind of like, eh. well, at least I was not <laughs> in it. Yeah. At least it wasn't on the freeway. Right. Like, can you imagine being out crabbing? Which I had a good joke prior to this when you said, oh, we used to go out and do some crabbing. And then I was going to punch in and go, um, coincidentally enough, never caught crabs until community college. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah, that's all. Well, that might actually be true. Um, but luckily enough, the boat sank without you in it. Yeah. It, uh, it probably started filling up with water oh but while just the we propellers it. kept it up like, i don't know like i don't know i mean it was probably a slow burn to full you know like titanic took several hours to really sink obviously we're talking about a ski boat here but like i don't think it just drops all of a sudden right it just starts filling up or whatever we probably broke something in the boat dude we had broken so many things it's so expensive to maintain a boat i mean i never did it my dad did it right and i just remember him being like dude i'm honestly when when it sank he was like just leave Good. it. <laughs> yeah, he was like, "I'm get so." Get it off the ground. Well, we yeah, we had to like there? we had to get like cranes to come, dude, and like pull it out of the water. It was a big ordeal, man. Um, so like the the last dying breath of an expensive habit was let's get a crane yeah, out here to it was, pull it. It was awful, man. But to 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 answer the original question is, <clears throat> I, I used to want a ski boat, but then I went. My brother lives in Tahoe, and he works with a bunch of friends who have fleets of like yachts and big big boats and other kinds of boats that I never really got on and hung out on mm. man there are some really cool like big just livable hangout yeah. fishing boats like just chill and like enjoy yourself kinds of boats yeah it's f i had a friend growing up who had a catamaran those are awesome and it was a small one you could mm. only fit like six or seven people on it but it was i always remember it being so much fun like yeah because you were this far off the water you're yeah. only a couple inches off the water and it yeah. was it was a trampoline yeah, essentially totally. it was right. like this mesh trampoline. you see the water as yeah. you're going and then he also had this cool like crow's nest harness off of the, the the pole that held the sail so you could climb up there like four or five feet and kind of like hang lieutenant off dan. the side yeah i feel like you're just like <laughs> lieutenant dan oscreen uh but I would never, I would never own a boat. You wouldn't. Never, absolutely not. 
But well, I would okay. like to. I would it, like to be wealthy enough to just like have a boat and like have it be maintained and be like, cool. Like I have a boat when I want a boat to yeah. like take to take off to like the Sea of Cortez and go fishing and like have fun and like yeah, then bring it back. My, my devil's advocate is like, if I had the amount of, as little as I want a boat, I want to know people who have boats. That's what people say. I want to go on a boat. I love boats. Just going to Alaska. Everybody's got a boat. Yeah. And they're quarter of a million dollar boats. Yeah. It's insane. I would love to know people who have boats, but to be wealthy enough to have a boat, to think about like the anxiety it would take thinking about how much I would use that boat. Yeah. Maintain that boat, dock that boat. That, oh, just that right, thinking of that right now in how stressful it is for me just thinking about like all of the TV subscriptions that I pay for. <laughs> I'm like, I think I have HBO Max, Netflix, yeah, Hulu, Apple TV, Peacock. Hulu, Who Lied, <laughs> Who Lied, <laughs> Who Done It, Discovery Plus, Discovery ID. Yeah. You think you're paying, you think you're paying, I'm a paying full probably stack? $250 for subscriptions. You're probably more, honestly. And I got no idea. Yeah. I got no yeah. idea how much money. So to think about like that. Yeah. Well, I, I, I might like to, and who's to say, I think it would be fun. And then maybe it's just a novel idea, but it, I think it'd be really fun to live on a boat, like a really nice one for a while, yeah, like a, for a year, totally. maybe two, maybe longer. As a single man, mm-hmm. your, your reality is endless towards the, la- towards landscape is different than mine. Yeah. Uh, totally. I, living on a boat with my family. Yeah. Um, I just, also, because I don't, Taz doesn't really like boats. Yeah, you know. So I'm thinking of that. I'm like, uh, yeah. it doesn't sound like it would be rad. Uh, well, also, you, you got to pull like the bugger though. The cool thing about bu- boats is that you can get anywhere with a boat. Like if you know, if you're, and you'd have to study like a mofo. Totally. But if you knew about the ocean, the yeah. sea, boats. I don't think there's hardly anywhere in the world that, unless it's landlocked, obviously. Right. But yeah. like you could get to every continent. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of why I'm fascinated by it because a couple of my brother's friends who own all these fleets, uh, do they they take their boats out to Mexico and out to Cuba, out to, all over the world. Chicago. Burien. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great punchline. <laughs> Um, (laughs) Ellensburg, Cleveland. (laughs) Yeah, and they and they (laughs) connected. Um, and and it's and it's amazing because they like know the Port of Vallardo. (laughs) Nice, not a. Oh, damn, dude! I'm trying to go to Senior Frogs, man. Get myself some. Three three foot pina coladas, dude, dude. I'm trying to go to a Carolina Liar concert. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> oh, you you don't want to know. No Carolina Liars. Yeah, I I I would like a boat. Um, eventually, that's it's something tight. that I something that I might decide. Well, Not one of these. Anybody listening to this who has enough money to own a boat and maintain it, you invite our good buddy JP Jims to your boat. Don't you want to come? Not, Not really. particularly. Depends wow. on how depends on the situation. I had friends growing up who had a houseboat. 
and yeah. they would take it on rivers that's like fun. on the columbia river which fun. was sick because you just go forever yeah and you'd see a bunch of new stuff yeah on a lake you're like unless it's a huge lake you're like well i've seen this already yeah, me and Brent went to Shasta on a houseboat with, my, uh, yeah, that's with cool. some friends. That was Lake Coeur d'Alene has houseboats that we talk about renting. renting out. Um, but it it takes quite a bit more uh, studying and um, ability to drive a boat nowadays. Like you gotta, they're kind of hammering down on the whole boat situation. Got to have some licenses, certificates, and credentials. You can't, you can't have any drink near. Like you can't be the driver. The driver, right. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, and. Or the captain. The captain, yeah, I'd just be nervous about yeah. sinking the thing. I know, like, man. There's too many geese. responsibilities when you're an adult, dude. Um, let's move on to our next story. What is it? How good's this? A Canadian man notices an old lotto ticket in his wallet and wins $20 million. $20 million. $20 million. First and foremost, Canadian man. This is the most incredible part of the story is that a Canadian man wins the lotto. They got lotto up there? They must have it everywhere, right? I thought they just gave away money. I thought they were just like... I they don't, was, you don't think they have it in like Argentina or something like that? That's why everybody was happy. Was They were just handing out bucks, dude. Where? Just in America or like no... In Canada. You just thought that's why everybody was happy because they were just giving just people giving away checks? Giving them mambas. <laughs> Just high chews, high chews, sizzlers. Um, it was a discount. dream scenario for a man in Canada after he forgot what he, what he had stuffed in the back of his wallet. Jerry Knott, <laughs> he yes, this time around Jerry Knott bought a Lotto Max ticket in Lac du Bonnet in August and tucked it in among his bank cards. The Manitoba man probably forgot all about it until this month when he remembered to scan his ticket while visiting a gas station. That's wild that they hold it for that long. Like if it would seem like if the person who it would expire, w- yeah, that would be awful. Then, man, if you had the winning lottery ticket and it expired, I know, but like that's you- your fault. I guess. I guess that makes sense. Maybe I mean, it does expire, but it just. I mean, this was when he was. This was like a handful of months ago. In August until this month, which mm-hmm. is just don't say it. Well, but it's not August. Right. <laughs> it's a while from August. It's, yeah, I mean, but still, like, there might be, like, a two-year expiration on it or something like that. Where does that money stay? I saw two and a bunch. This is great. Uh, the store retailer looked at me with wide eyes and said, this is the missing ticket. I saw two and a bunch of zeros and thought, cool, I won 20 grand, he said. <laughs> Didn't know what she was talking about until she scanned it again, and I saw there were a few more zeros than I had originally thought. 20 mil, bro. Do you think that they take half of it? Yeah. In Canada? Let's look that up. I hope so. I mean, I think that they probably take, like, you're saying, like America would? Yeah. yeah. I wonder. I mean, I think, I think, I don't know, man. I, I don't even, I don't know that I would like to win the lottery. I've oh. said this before. I mean, I don't know. I don't know that I'd be prepared for that kind of Oh, they of only take 24% of the winnings. Canada doesn't take tax lottery winnings because they treat the sale of lottery tickets as an advance tax. Only about 50% of the money collected in ticket sales is returned to ticket buyers in prizes, and the commission paid to agents is less than 10%, so the provincial government gets 40% of the money anyways. 
Look at that. The government's always figuring out little equations towards getting their tax dollars. Move to Canada? I don't think so. Okay. I like it here. Do you? I feel like it'd be it'd be a hassle to like get a visa and Yeah. I love Canadians. I always have a good time up there. Beautiful humans, great food. Toronto's a sick city. Toronto. Vancouver, BC Montreal's is awesome. Fun. Montreal's great. Had some good poutine there when we were there. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, far less people. Quebec. Still, still quite a bit of real estate to be had, meaning like a lot of space to spread out. Yeah. But um, I don't know. We've also like imported a lot of good Canadians. Yeah. Justin Bieber. Great kid. Um, Drake. Are you into Drake? Not really. Me neither. I respect him, for sure. Like I think his music's cool, but like, uh, but and I think he's funny too. Like he's a great he? actor. Yeah, have you seen him in like? I've seen him in like comedic cameos, like on SNL or something like that, or late night stuff. Yeah. You know, yeah. and he's funny. He seems like he'd be kind of fun to to hang out with. Um, but. Uh, I've never really gotten deep into his music. Alanis Morissette. Canadian, huh? Canadian. Nice. I don't think I know any celebs who are Canades. Uh, Ryan Reynolds. Is he? I don't know. Ryan Gosling? I don't think so. Hmm. He's like a... Isn't he the offspring of like Hollywood royalty? I don't think so. Did I give you my theory on like all those Disney... Stars, Disney stars, the kids from like the it might Mickey not be Mouse my th- club. It, it might not be my theory. I might have heard it on like somebody else go off of the, it, like the Mickey Mouse it. Club kids. Yeah, Christina Aguilera, no dad. Oh yeah, Justin Timberlake, no dad. Ryan Gosling, where's his dad? Ki- kids are growing in labs, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, think about it. They're so talented. Yeah, Justin Timberlake. Yeah, he's a freak. He is a freak. Where's his dad? I don't know. How is his dad not also a is freak? He, he's not around? I don't know. I don't I never you never see him. It's all about his mom. Is it? Yeah, that's like huh. he every record <clears throat> he writes at least two songs for his mom. Yeah. You think you got you think that's what it takes? The yeah, you gotta be grown in a lab or you just your dad's gotta take off when yeah, you're your dad's take off. I don't know. I don't know. It is interesting though how like so many people who are incredibly interesting uh, had wild upbringings. Yeah. Like it's, I think about my upbringing and how great it was <laughs> right. and like how easy it was. And yeah. My parents were awesome. They both loved me. Got three square meals. I know. Got encouraged, you know, like that's probably why I'm so fucking opaque <laughs> when it comes to talent. <laughs> that don't, don't say that. Oh, that's, I just, it's a joke. I know. Come on, let's get a boat. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> let's win the lottery and then get a boat. Um, yeah, what would you like to kind of jump into that? You say you don't want to win the I lottery. I don't think so. Just because <clears throat> I feel like in my life I don't want I don't want unearned anything. I want to earn everything that I get because I don't I don't know what I would do if I just received even like a a trust or even like an inheritance. Mm. I would be like very grateful for it, I but I'd feel kind of, I'd feel bad. I wouldn't feel bad necessarily. I, the thing, the idea I like about the lottery, uh, 
more than like a trust or an inheritance is that you don't know it's going to happen. So like I had friends growing up who won the lottery and like big time, like, like just under 2 million. Oh, wow. Which, you know, 25 years ago, that was a crap ton of money. Yeah. And, uh, they were super smart about it. They made sure nobody knew they didn't want to go on the news yeah like i think what happens a lot of times is not only does well i'm generalizing here so this is gonna sound stupid but like i never play the lottery because i don't think i'm gonna win right right (laughs) what i would say happens is i'm not gullible enough to think i would win i think a, a mass percentage of people who play the lottery are maybe a little bit more slanted towards gullibility Right. And so when they win the lottery, a good amount of the times it doesn't work out well because they're just right. not, they haven't been given the mechanisms that would make them utilize that money appropriately. Right. right. But I'm sure there are other people who do win the lottery that have great wherewithal of what to do and what not to do. Right. I think the ratios are much farther in that. Right. Don't I think know they're what to way do. more slanted. Yeah. Right. Um, what I like about the lottery is that you wouldn't know prior to winning it. And so it wouldn't like, it wouldn't taint your entire experience leading up to that. If I came from money and I thought like, oh yeah, just like, I'm going to be fine. It doesn't matter. Like, I'm just going to be, I'm going to be fine because I know that like when my parents pass, I'm going to have money. Yeah. Like, I don't know what that would feel like. There would there would definitely be an amount of drive that I have because I'm not going to inherit shit. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe I am. Maybe my parents are like sequestering. They would be the people who would do that, actually, my folks. Yeah. They would, uh, when they pass, they're like, oh, yeah, we have, we we have, have like $20 million. Do- I'm like, <laughs> what? what? <laughs> you never bought a new car. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but I, from all account, I don't think there's any sort of inheritance coming my way. And it makes me like I'm driven not only for uh, because I just love to create and I love to make new things. I love to make people happy. I love to, you know, get better at things. But I also like enjoy stuff. And I think about an existence where like I didn't have to think about money and that makes me curious Mm -hmm. so that's another reason why i'm driven and if i didn't have that i don't know what i would be like or what kind of person i would be like but i don't necessarily envy people who have come from money and get it just kind of freely i don't either or um have it coming i'd be really frightened um just because i've never had i don't i don't i i don't know how to do something unless I've learned how to do it first and with money I have like I just I just feel like I would make all the mistakes and I would, uh, yeah. and, and I would just like well you, you probably would make I know some I, to- I totally would man and like that's also goes with like success like if I if I were to be successful too quickly in my life and 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 get especially as an actor like if I were to have had the trajectory that I expected to have when I started my career, mm. which was just like, I booked a, I booked a few things and I was like, Oh my God, like the, I, who knew that this Golden was going to work? I'm the, I am the man, dude. I'm going to be the next Leonardo DiCaprio. Like I'm really good at this. <laughs> and that was what my brain told me. Dude, Luke, and I was I'm, like, I'm hired this time. <laughs> bro. 
<laughs> and if I would have, if I would have, dude, <laughs> nice reference. I go higher this time. Go higher this time. Gilbert. Um, Gilbert, go higher this the time. Best, best the Le- best Leo role. The best. I know. Of all time. Totally. Um, had I have done what I thought I was going to do, dude, I would have been so unprepared for anything that was coming my way. And I would have just, I would have failed so hard and been such a wreck because I, without that, I have still gone through so much bullshit and made so many mistakes. Mm. And when I think about people like fucking Justin Bieber or like uh, Dakota Fanning or like anybody who's been a child star that's come out on and done relatively fine, I'm, I'm, I'm in awe. Baffled. Yeah. I'm just, I don't, I don't understand it. And I, and I'm so grateful that that never happened to me. And although I wish that eventually I get to a place uh, where I am hoping to go, I I really look forward to that happening later in my life so that I have just a better understanding of myself and a better mm. grasp on my own reality so that I can like be responsible when that happens. And I think lottery, no matter what, unless I am already wealthy and know what to do with my wealth, I'm not prepared to win the lottery. And if I have wealth, I don't want, I'm not playing the lottery. Anyways, <laughs> I saw you, I saw you at the craps table oh, yeah, this I was past a, weekend. Dude, you're terrible. <laughs> I'm the worst. Uh, but then to a great sum up of this entire podcast, if you happen to find a lottery ticket in your wallet at any point, you're giving it to your boy. Yeah. Give it to Alan. Well, why would they what do that? What would you do with it? Like right now, somebody drops $20 million in your bank account. What would you do with it? Do you have any idea what you would do with it? I would just pay off like my minimal debt <laughs> and then be like, okay. And I'd probably just sit for a while and like really, I don't think I'd go spending it right away. I think I'd probably just be like, like let's go to dinner. Let's have a really nice dinner. Like what? Are we going to Chili's? Are we going to <laughs> Ruth's Chris? <laughs> TGI Fridays for sure. Dude. Or, have you been to a Ruth's Chris? Yeah. Dude, they fuck. They definitely fuck. I light am. I light am too. Um, well, if that happens to you, Jules, uh, I'm. I would get a financial questions. advisor. Yeah, ask questions. Yeah. Don't sign anything. I wouldn't. I don't. Don't think I would. hire anybody. Um, maybe don't tell anybody. Yeah. I <laughs> you would know, just... until like, in, unless. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's it's. I was just listening to a. a podcast with um rogan and jewel oh cool and jewel had jewel jewel's mom was like her financial advisor manager sort of person for Mm. quite a few years that's interesting stole a hundred million dollars from her she had that much money bro jewel when she was 20 years old was selling a million dollars excuse me a million records a month really for a year straight Wow, bro. And she for her record deal, she didn't take an advance. So all, all of her money was, was back end. And wow. she didn't have to pay any back to the label Whoa. that she had owed, right? It's like the label's racket is they like while you're selling records, we'll spend all this money on, oh, we got to fly out DJs to the radio station and they've got to stay in nice hotels and we've got to ship CDs and so they rack up these huge bills so they never have to pay you any money. Mm. And, but if you're a Katy Perry or a Jewel or a Alanis Morissette and your record sells 20 million copies, they can't hide that money from you anymore. Right. So Jewel was like bonkers loaded. Wow. And 
And her mom was snagging all those bucks from her? Mom took, like, eventually, 34, no money, and then had to pay her mom off to go away. Half a million dollars. Hasn't seen her mom since. That's like 20 years ago. That's a similar story to, like, the Britney Spears situation with her dad. It's crazy, man. Gotta finish that documentary. Uh, I just haven't seen it. You should watch it. It's crazy. It's crazy. I watched the entire thing. It's a little different. It's a little right. different, bro. Well, like like Britney. Now, granted, what happened to her, I don't think was necessary. There seemed to be some lefer- nefarious, nefarious. I think that's right. Intent with the Britney Spears thing, but Homegirl was not like on her right rocker. Right. Right. But now, granted, right. Dealing with that kind of fame, scrutiny, etc. Totally m- would do that to a person. Right. But. The, the situation is a little bit different. Like, Jules' mom is just like, hey, I'm just going to, like, take all your money and, yeah. like, go spend it, make up fake companies so that I can launder the money through them. Right. Um, yeah, both stories are very convoluted and disgusting and awful. Yeah, um, it's, it's... You know, because it's, even people that were like, you don't become a... You don't get a conservator unless you are, like really incapable of operating as a human being right so like unless you're like uh handicapped and uh, you know mentally unstable whatever right, it happens and, it happens a lot for people towards the end of their life yeah who are dealing with dementia or but she was putting out records making music exactly. writing there's no choreographing there's, stuff like it's crazy the argument was that this is what she likes to do this is what brings her joy this is what actually stabilizes her mentally mm-hmm. and um, not that that was a good argument or it was right, but it's more of an argument that makes sense than just like, hey, I'm your mom and I'm going to steal all your money. Yeah. It'd be like Dane Cook's brother stealing like $50 million from him. Right. It's like, there's no, that's, there's no right angle. That happened, didn't it? Yeah. Oh, God. Homie's like either in, still in jail or just got out or something. Like, I can't imagine, dude. Yeah, I think the worst part about like getting really rich would be all the people that would try to like tell you that you, they deserve money from you. Bro, I don't envy being I, like, granted, I am curious what it would be like to not, not that you wouldn't worry about money. As I think that's just maybe the worry changes in mm-hmm. some way. I think so. Um, But the social like not being able to trust anybody because you'd feel like they always want something out of you or they're always trying to pitch you on something like, mm-hmm. cause for, you know, in my, my specific job, I would get rich and famous at the same time. Yeah. A lot of people just get rich. Right. And nobody knows who the hell they are. Right. Right. Which to me would be the way better route. But when you get rich and famous at the same time, and sometimes you get famous and not rich. Right. Which is would be unbelievably oh, terrible, yeah. right? Because everybody just, oh, I saw you on TV. You were on Letterman. You mm. must be loaded. Why are you working at Trader Joe's? Why are you packing bags? Why why do you have a V-dub boat? Yeah. You <laughs> <laughs> should have a yacht. Um, but I, I think, I don't know. I, I think we're constantly looking at people who have a ton of money and kind of like punching up at them. It's natural to like, to, to reach up and try to, wave your finger at that yeah. but um 
I don't know how great, how much better that reality is than the one you got. I mean, granted, if you're starving, if you're worrying about food, if you can't buy diapers, obviously, like, there's a, it's a nuanced perspective, but, like, we don't talk enough about what it would be like to walk into room, walk into a room and everybody there goes, hey, he's fucking loaded. Yeah. Right? Like, It'd be like walking into a room and having poop on your face and not knowing it and not being able to smell. And everybody's like, dude, this guy's got poop everywhere, bro. Oh, he's got poop. Uh, This guy's got chocolate in his pockets. Yeah, I don't know, man. I wouldn't want it. Well, let's... uh, Want to be rich, but don't want it that way. I'm buying you a lot of ticket on the way home. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in to the show. Jules, of course I love you. Love um, I love everybody who's listening, and I hope that uh, we brought a little bit of joy into your life today. Send us, Thanks for um, tuning in. Send us your thoughts. To S- send us your thoughts. Send us your appreciation. To, uh, to howgoodsthispodcast at gmail.com. Check us out. Send us uh, questions, curiosities, um, stories. We want to hear from you. Be yes, friends we- with us, please. We love you guys. Love you guys so much. Now we're going to turn over to the hot goss. The good goss. The good. Go- I always forget that it's called the good. Goss. You do. You forget that it's called good goss. Um, but uh, if you'd like to be a part of the good goss, head on over to Patreon.com/slash Live at the Lodge. There's a bunch of exclusive content over there. You get the podcast early. You get to watch the Live at the Lodge episodes. Um, it's a good place to be, and there's some quality content there. So check it out. Patreon.com/slash Live at the Lodge. Bye. Hey, did you like that? I figured you might. Well, we're going to ask you to do all the things that podcasters tell you to do. Subscribe, rate, review, comment. Go share this podcast with all of your friends. You can follow us on Instagram at howgoodsthis underscore podcast. And if you want to reach out, you can email us at howgoodsthispodcast at gmail.com. Go tell your friends all about everything that's happened here. If you're interested in hearing Alan Stone and myself spilling all that tea in the good goss segment of this podcast, you're going to get to hear Alan Stone say things that he might honestly never say out loud and in public. So it's worth it. Head on over to Patreon and join our little community. For as little as $5 a month, you can contribute to this podcast and really help us make a difference in building this thing out. Patreon.com slash live at the lodge. We love you guys very much and uh, we'll see you next week. How good's this?